Coming up on the Men Up podcast, we are bringing back Coach Carolyn Sadeco of Coaching Capua. And you know, I'm reminded that Coach Carolyn joined our Men Up community, and really, we first met a little over a year ago. And what's so powerful about that relationship and about what Coach Carolyn has to offer is that it's really based in aligning with values and being open to building and cultivating new relationships. You know, Coach Carol and I first got introduced to one another through one of her family members that was a friend of a friend. And I think for both of us, we knew that we were doing similar work. We knew that we had somewhat aligned values just by hearing about one another, but it took an openness to connect with one another, to literally get on the phone. I know we don't always get on phone calls anymore, but to get on that phone call and to just start chopping it up. So I encourage y'all stay open to new relationships, whether they're work-related, whether they're friends introducing friends, stay open to those relationships because you never know the powerful alignment or synergy that may come about. Hey, if you're getting something out of the Men Up podcast this season, give us that review. Give us that five-star rating, of course, if we've earned it. And if you're really interested in staying up to date with the Men Up podcast, head over to themenup.com and sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive content, uh, get a little bit extra Men Up in written form. All right, Coach Carolyn coming at you. Let's go. And welcome to the Men Up Podcast. I am Christian Shabu. I'm Lamar Womble. What up, y'all? As we told y'all here in season five, uh, we are bringing back some of our favorite, most impactful guests that we've had over the first four seasons of the Men Up Podcast. Uh, and there is none other than Coach Carolyn, founder of Coaching Capua, the sports relationship coach. Carolyn, how are you doing today? Good morning, everyone. Good to be back here again for season five. Feels like we have been friends for a lifetime, yet it's really only been a year. Uh, and, and your connection to the Men Up podcast has been for about a year. So we just appreciate just how invested you are in us. And as we were preparing for this episode, you talked about one of the you know catchphrases or slogans that you have for coaching Capua for the work that you do is that everyone has a relationship with sports. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about that? Yes. And I think that's one of the things that I love about the Men Up podcast is because we y'all do talk about societal um, experiences, context, but there's always a sports thing. And you all identified that sports is one of the factors that that uh, brought you all together, right? That you experienced together. And that is an example of, on a broader sense, I think everyone does have a relationship to sports. And that could be negative. That could be indifferent. But there is something that informs us because sports is such a big societal construct, um, especially in our society where we we do put a lot of value um, to it. We put a lot of meaning uh, to it. And so if we maneuver in, in the society in any way as a human being, we're going to be affected by it. So when somebody says to you, Nah, I don't really have a relationship with sports. I don't play sports. I don't watch sports. You know, they, they sort of dismiss any relationship to sports. What do you say to them? I say to them, tell me about how that got there. I want to know if they've reflected on it. I want to know if 
that feeling um, or that determination, right? That I hate sports or I don't like sports, or sometimes it's specific sports. Um, there's a reason behind it. Um, unfortunately, with the people um, I've worked with, a lot of the reasons are negative experiences, negative or oppressive situations or people that they've interacted with through sports. And for the same reasons that people love sports and that people continue sports, uh, there are similar reasons why people would disengage from it. And that's the, that's the stuff that I want to know because it affects how they transmit that sort of socialization to others, right? When they have kids, um, it determines what sports the, their own offspring play in. It determines where they spend their money if they, if they go to events or um, it determines what, how they engage with other people. So that's the, our sports relationships do kind of lead us in different directions. And I'm that person that always wants to be knowing why. It's interesting. I'm nosy. I'm nosy. (laughs) (laughs) That's really what it is. You're just nosy. So you just want to ask why? (laughs) No, no. It's because you care, obviously. And I had to ask myself those questions. I think as, as an immigrant to this country, I've been socialized by sports. I've been socialized. I mean, that's part of American culture or my understanding, right, of any culture. I wasn't socialized into uh, sports in the Philippines, where I'm from. I was socialized into American sports. And so to be able to define my own relationship with that, whether it's the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team, which I totally fangirl still, over. Um, but that's how I learned about about what it means to be an American. You know, Jim Craig looking for his dad in the stands with the American flag. I was like, this is why my dad wants to come to America. Wow. Right? There's also a big through line between, I think, I don't know if you're referring to this or not, but the Philippines and American sports, like there's a basketball in particular, a lot of Filipinos like follow in America. Well, Lamar, you've actually uh, thank you for that segue, because I do want to say that my my newest project, the Planetary Philippinex Sports Society Tour, we are gathering a whole bunch of Filipino-identified people from all over the world in all aspects of sports relationship, whether they're artists, whether they're players, whether they're fans, um, and and we're going to talk about that. Um, But I'm showing this, I know this doesn't translate well in the podcast, but um, what I'm showing is an archival photograph of a women's basketball team in the Philippines um, back from, this is, I think, 19, early 1900s. And it's a nurse's, there, there was a there's a hospital and the nurses, the Filipino nurses had a basketball team. Wow. That's dope. so cool. Yeah. yeah. So this is, this will be research into, into, into that because it is uh, a mesmerizing thing to think about um, colonization and to think about sports as a colonization tool. And that's who we could do a few podcasts on that. 
you know what, to your point, interestingly enough, and, and this is probably an extension of this, of, of the colonization, but for, you know, growing up in a military family, um, a lot of American military men married a lot of Filipino women. And so a lot of that, like where I grew up in Nebraska in particular, there's a lot of mixed Filipino and black or Filipino and white. And I know a lot of those children stay and have a deep connection to the Filipino culture, uh, but also have this American side to them. And so they go back and forth uh, with not only like the sports they play, but like when they go there, they're very also heavily involved in sports. Or if you want to play professionally, a lot of times people go back to the Philippines to play professionally if they couldn't quite make it uh, here. So, yeah, there's all kinds of uh just connections to sports, Philippines and America. As a colonization uh, pathway, right? There are lots of ways um, that I see sports being that expression, right? That expression of liberation for sure, as we understand it. And also as as oppression, right? When, when just this week, right? The 49ers and the Cardinals played in Mexico, right? And, and we yeah. see what does that mean for the exportation of American sports, right? What does that mean when uh, people not in America, not, not Americans are uh, training at NBA academies all over the world? Uh, what does that mean for professional sports? But what does that mean for us seeing this? Right. And just the exact same way as my father was uh, lured to to the American way of life by by the flag, by media, um, by constructs like that. Sports is a part of that. Right. Even my grandmother, who, who spoke no English, very little English, was an immigrant here late in her life. She loved two things. She loved watching football and she loved watching Lawrence Walk. So for those of us who are of a certain age who remember Lauren, the Lawrence Walk show, my grandmother loved that. And she loved football and she loved, well, she loved football, but she would always ask, why don't they just all, why do they have to fight over one ball? Like give them all. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and I think that that comes from a, a, a collectivist uh, society, but mm. she wants everyone to 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 succeed but she also understood baseball i was watching baseball at a time um i was a middle schooler loved baseball would watch it would score would make my own scorecards and my grandmother would watch with me so i think sports are aspects of uh personal expression and personal learning that as we dive into that uh, we know that it holds a lot of meaning. So here in season five, Carolyn, we're focusing on boundaries, right? How do we understand boundaries for ourselves in our society? How do we maintain those boundaries? How do we resolve issues that come up when boundaries are broken? We're really digging deep here into boundaries. And two of the things that I think we uncovered in the first couple of episodes of the season around boundaries is number one, to your point of like sports being such a mechanism for people socializing in our country, it is a, it is a third space, right? If we think about our first and second spaces, those are often work and home. And the third space is the communal spaces, 
oftentimes in our in our culture here in the United States are very much sports, whether that's sporting events, whether that's watching sports, right? but sports is centered in it. So that's point one. And point two is we've started to consider boundaries not so much as this is how you keep people or this is how you keep things out of your life or out of our society, because I think that's how boundaries can often be framed as walls, but rather how do you show people to the door? How do you show them where it is to have access to a community, to yourself, to our society, right? So those are two ideas that we're sort of like playing with here in season five. And so with that, we'd love to talk to you about sports being such a powerful experience in your life overall, but it sounds like pretty early on in, in your childhood. What did it teach you about boundaries? When you all talked about sports boundaries, like the playing field boundaries, I think of the edges, right? I think of, of the edges of, um, of the playing field specifically, right? Obviously, the, the edges of we need to know boundaries whenever we're on a path because what might be on the other side of those edges might be dangerous, right? We, we need parameters by which, to, um, by which to maneuver. So in that third space, the third space, what I think of is that now we're looking back away from the, away from the edges. We know where the edges are. Now we turn towards what's, what's in that third space, right? So when I think about boundaries, again, I think about then what are, what are the intersections? We see it in sports. So everything that's, be, that's happening in our society, and you all have talked about this before as well, uh, we, can, we can take the microcosm of sport because it is a pathway through which our, our socialization is expressed. We can take sports and have a fun way of looking at things. We could, we could look at it through boundaries. We can examine it through what does the third space look like? How is it changing? Um, and and when, we, when we do that, I think we use sports as, as, as a metaphor and as a very specific, concrete socialization tool. But we use it as a metaphor because so many of us love sports and it's an easy access. It's easy access. It's easy access to, to look at uh, the differences between pickleball and tennis, which is the thing now, right? Everyone loves pickleball. Um, and, and so we have this pickleball v. tennis examination, right? And, and that also is an examination of boundaries. If we're changing, changing games, we're finding similarities, we're finding differences, we're finding how we can relate to one another. Um, can we modify the, the tennis court to be a pickleball court? You know, can we modify uh, the, the rules so that people can participate? And so these are the same questions that we're asking at a societal level. We're asking at a professional level. When y'all talk about the workplace, we're asking about this in the workplace. There's so many examples in sports and in in my profession, which is organized youth sports, high school sports. These boundaries are questioned every single time we talk about access. It's questioned every single time because who creates the boundaries? 
that's the big question. You know, hearing you speak about that and just like who makes the rules, it, it, my, my mind automatically goes to uh, like collegiate sports and the line now between money and athletics and what what the boundary was for a long, a long time by the rule makers who had the power, who was then taking all the money, right? And now what the redefined boundary and line is and how that is reshaping what it looks like going forward. Do you just, I just want to know your thoughts on that. There is such potential in these past few years to shift power. We see that with uh, the name, likeness, and image um, situations. We see that with uh, social justice movements that are now uh, being televised, that are now being integrated in parts of media. Dave Zirin is a journalist that I admire and follow a lot, and his writing in The Atlantic and his podcasts are kind of like my beacons um, to how I look at how I look at uh, socialization and sport and politics. We have a term in in the Filipino language that that expresses the sentiment of like, it's almost a shame, but it's not like a shame, but it's a bummer, kind of like a bummer, bummer sentiment, right? And I hear this from people who who are in that field, like it, it's almost a bummer that college athletes, professional athletes, even high school athletes are in spaces now where they can exert more power. And yet it is, it's hard to kind of bring that to their attention. Like the power within them has been trained through the socialization of sport to be, to follow, to just follow, follow, follow the rules, follow your coach's direction. Um, And then when we invite now, people to think for themselves. We invite now people to their own power. It's it's kind of foreign to them. Like they're like, well, I've been part of this team and then I can't speak out. Or like I have to wait till someone else speaks out because, or I have to wait for permission from my coach or from my um, team managers or something like that. And, and that internal um, voice uh, gets muted, and I think that's that's what's hard uh, for for people like me who are older and who who want to um, who want to create a space where that power can be safe and that power can be explored and recognized and reflected on. Um, it's even hard for me to make that space with truth to power, self awareness, right? With balance, right? Lamar, you talk a lot about balance, and when when we talk about the the sh- the shadow aspects of sports, why people don't like sports, um, that's that's what I want to bring light to because we have to integrate those components um, to to help us to help us have a really healthy view of what sports is in our society for us. Um, if if we if we don't talk about the ways that coming back from an injury can affect us if we don't talk about the ways that we struggle. And sports is that. And yet we don't want to talk about the 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 crunchy times of, oh gosh, like I couldn't 
I, I missed a layup that could have won the game. We don't want to talk about that. We only want to talk about the time that I did win the game, right? Um, but it's those. It's always those. Those not so highlighted. That's not going to be on the highlight reel. Are the memories that we remember, and actually, those are the memories that I believe that we then transmit. We transmit to other people. We transmit to people we coach. We transmit to our offspring, and and to people around us. What what those those experiences have taught us, whether it's to hide, whether it's to uh, fight through it, whether it's to persist, that's what we need to share. Uh, in a healthy way. I really agree. I think Shabu can attest to that. <laughs> just like, just as you think about that, like think about injury and marathon and like, you know, the mental of trying to like get prepared and then having this injury like three weeks before, you know what I mean? Just like right. gray space where like, you're right, where a lot of athletes and societal mindset isn't to really talk about the struggle but to talk about the success right exactly it, it's 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 put into a little container because we have to acknowledge that it exists but we're going to celebrate you know the fists up in the air we're going to celebrate like the event and and when when in fact you know years from now and again to the conversation about boundaries when when nfl players for instance um when they can't put their fists up in the air anymore, when when they can't get up on Monday morning anymore, mm-hmm. who's who's going to cross that boundary and say you are a person? Who's going to cross that boundary and say you you are more than just what you are on on Sunday? Well, Monday, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. <laughs> <Sunday>. <laughs> Carolyn, I'm interested in. From your perspective, where are you seeing within sports, whether that's, you know, high school sports, collegiate sports, even professional sports, where are you seeing the sports world pushing the boundaries for our society in a positive way or a productive way? Because I think a lot of times, you know, we, we can point to some examples, particularly like on the collegiate or professional level where sports, you know, whether it's activity that's happening you know, within basketball or, you know, I mentioned basketball because I think that's what, you know, our podcast team here has connected on. But whatever the sport is, the sport has often pushed the boundary for society in some way or opened the door in a new way. So what are you seeing right now? What's a specific example of where sports is pushing the boundary in a positive way? I see specific examples in in youth and high school sports. They're, they're affinity groups of um and loosely, loosely organized. Maybe, maybe that's a characteristic that I'm I'm going to to just lead with. Uh, grassroots or, or loosely organized groups um, that know already that they have to exist in the in a in a context of this society in a different way. So whether whether they bring a sporting context from another place right uh another another region another country um i think about ways that uh people we talk well let's talk about filipino basketball again because i always i always revert to filipino basketball because filipinos are all over the world uh 
still one of the um, highest exported work labor um, in terms of people. Um, so there are Filipinos everywhere. Everywhere you go where there, there's a Filipino population, you'll see basketball. You will see basketball. Um, and they, 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 they bring it um, in a way that they can only bring it from their experience. And when that doesn't get regulated or where that literally exists as a third space away from um, socialization into the broader American sports context, if they could keep that as an affinity, that's where I see a lot of uh, expression and a lot of uh, good stuff happening. Another other organizations and affinities that I admire are um, Skate Like a Girl. That's another one or Surf Like a Girl or Brown Girl Surf or these affinities of sport and identity, these intersections that combine those. Um, there's space for everyone. What is the boundary between student athlete and or or athlete student? Because I think in this new era, we are going to get into Nope. I came here to make money. I'm an athlete mm -hmm. and I might do some school on the side or versus the, you know, the, the, what we've, which has always been the case, but we try to make it seem like school was more important for many of these students. And for some it is right. It's half and half probably. Uh, but what, how, how do you see student athletes or uh, just the idea of a student athlete mm -hmm. and the boundary that we kind of, kind of require students to, Hey, focus on your studies, even though we know that right they give you all these privileges for being a part of this sport. <laughs> I, you know. I know that's so that's so unclear these days, but it hasn't been very clear in a long time. And even though we do want to, uh, we do have very specific boundaries with regulations, right? We 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 have GPA grade point average regulations for high school sports. Uh, we have uh, transfer regulations for high school sports. We have a lot of regulations and bylaws and rules that put sports in an educational context for high school and youth right and that's clear that's and that's the context that i work in there is a boundary with educational athletics and athletics more broadly even recreational athletics right so and and that is that is the the sauce right the sauce is where does the money go what 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 role does does the money have? What role does commerce and commercialization have? And even I'm gonna even argue even schools, right? Schools are not immune to that. We we all know, or it's assumed now these days that sports at a high school or even at a uh, middle school K twelve school, definitely in NC two A, we know that sports is a valued supposedly revenue generator, right? So you already have that connection with money. And then you have uh, schools and high schools that need to generate money, whether that's through districts, uh, whether that's through um, through donors and uh, philanthropy, uh, whether that's through grants, right? So your sports is a vehicle by which to obtain that, that, that money. Um, so in that way, student athletes are not just students. They are they are 
the actual people. The generators, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so the boundary for, for them is graying and they ask a lot of questions. And we as adults, as the boundary you know, keepers, we're the one always changing that boundary. Well, this boundary can be that for you. Like you can't put your, we're going to put our name, school name, college name on the back of your jersey. It's not going to be your name. You represent us, right? But then on the other hand, we tell them, oh, you're individuals and you, you know, you contribute to this too. So we send mixed signals about what the boundary is. And then we don't let them figure that boundary out for themselves and then tell us. So I think that's the, that's the oppressive part of what, what sports can do. Um, we use sports as a way to oppress people's own experimentation, people's own uh, curiosity about, about themselves and their role as an athlete because it's part of their identity. We, we have come to the end of our time here with Coach Carolyn. We'd love to have you back next season we have to all go into overtime to come. Uh, i know overtime. right we need overtime we need overtime right we, we could probably talk for hours in overtime right so uh but coach carolyn thank you so much thank you lamar thank you christian good to yeah. be with you the men up podcast is a grin and bear production the soundtrack is courtesy of mike mcginley music and visual artwork by viati design studio video clips from each episode are edited by joe oliveri the executive producer and editor on the Men Up podcast is me, Christian Shabu.